Let's read from Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Can you read the first ten verses there? Fourteen years later I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. But I did this privately to those who seemed to be leaders for fear that I was running or had run my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment. I want you to remember those words. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. As for those who seem to be important, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not judge by external appearances. Those men added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, as Peter had been to the Jews. For God, who was at work in the ministry of Peter as an apostle to the Jews, was also at work in my ministry as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Peter, and John, those reputed to be pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of, of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles, and they, they too to the Jews. And they ask, ask that, and all they asked really <laughs> was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Well, may God bless the reading of his precious word. Everybody's quiet today. We should have said amen to God's word here this morning. The title of the message here this morning is God's grace begins where your strength ends. God's, God's grace begins where your strength ends. So, are you feeling weak this morning? You feel you've come to the end of it? Well, God's grace begins where your strength ends. Paul had established churches in the Gentile region of Galatia, in modern day, which we call Turkey today, after he left, some false brothers who claimed to be from Jerusalem came to Galatia and began undermining all that Paul had worked for. They confused these new Gentile Christians by attacking Paul's apostleship and also by telling the Galatians that they needed to be circumcised in order to be saved. Did you hear that? When Paul heard that the Galatians were being swayed by these false brothers, he sat down and wrote a short, passionate, emergency letter called the Epistle to the Galatians. The whole debate came down to this. Do you have to be circumcised? 
to be saved. That was the debate here. Do you have to be circumcised to be saved? Now, I have been a pastor for many years, and people have asked me thousands of questions, but no one has ever asked me, Alan, is circumcision necessary for salvation? Has anybody ever asked you that? Do you ever get the feeling you are constantly being measured, evaluated? It seems like we are always being measured, scored, or evaluated. As children, we had tests and grades at school. Can you remember? We have employee evaluations at work. We have credit scores these days. We go through medical tests. And more often than not, our scores indicate we are less than perfect. Maybe, maybe not you. I know that I'm not perfect. <laughs> How about you this morning? We just seem to be evaluated all the time. And uh, maybe I think even uh, when we, we think about it, you've got to add to that that the not-so-subtle messages that we hear today about how, su how successful, well-balanced, and well-adjusted we ought to be and so forth and so forth. Yes, there are messages everywhere as constant reminders of our shortcomings, our failures, our inadequacies, our mistakes. You, you'll get to where we're getting later. But I want to say this again. God's grace begins where your strength ends. And that's why our first point that we want to make is this. By God's grace, we are more than the worst we have done. Did you hear that? By God's grace, we are more than the worst that we have done. A philosopher called Immanuel Kant wrote, and he said these words, Out of the crooked timber of humanity, no straight thing was ever made. But because it is a philosophy, we can't disagree with that, and I certainly do. I would say, but in the right hands, the hands of God, something amazing can be made even from crooked timber. Now, I know if you're into carpentry, you're probably like Keith and some others and so forth. They would probably say, hey, what can you do with crooked timber? But I want to say this. When we think of us as people, if our lives are twisted and broken, maybe even crooked, something amazing can be made of your life because of the grace of the Lord. You see, with Jesus, even in our darkest moments, the best remains and the very best is yet to be. We do not need Jesus plus something else in order to be accepted by God. Did you hear that? It's not about your efforts. How do you know that you are a Christian? Sometimes people ask you that and they ask they often ask us this question. How do you know that you are a Christian? And some people would answer, I'm trying. Have you heard that? I'm trying. This person is saying, I think I'm a Christian because of Jesus plus my efforts. Is that true? Jesus has done everything already for us. Isn't it true? They are trusting in something else other than the finished work of Jesus Christ for their salvation. He's already done everything. You don't have to do a thing in terms of your salvation here this morning. 
All you've got to do is surrender your life, your all to him, and allow the grace of the Lord to shape you and make you into the person that he wants you to be. No matter how far we fall short from a human perspective, no matter how many tests we fail, no matter how bad our record is, by God's grace, more this morning is possible. Did you hear that? More is possible with you and I. By God's grace, we are more than the worst we have done. We thank the Lord for that. And sometimes we take advantage of the grace of the Lord, but we are still more than the worst that we have done. I want to ask you a question here this morning. How many liters of water are in the ocean? <laughs> Some people have tried to figure it out. And when they try to figure it out, they've added 21 zeros to whatever amount it is that they thought about. <laughs> but can you ever figure it out? Huh? Now I want to ask you another question. How many stars are in the known universe? Well, the answer was, when people did some stargazing and all of that and they looked into it, the answer was 70 sextillion, I don't know where that word comes from, followed by 22 zeros. That was calculated by a team of stargazers based at the Australian National University. How many grains of sand are in the world this morning? What would your answer be? Seven quintillion, five hundred quadrillion grains of sand. Would you say that? Eh? Even if these answers are incorrect. Here is my point. God's grace. Did you hear that? God's grace is bigger than all these numbers. You could empty the oceans and beaches of water and sand and plug every star from the sky, and God's grace has only just begun. Isn't it amazing, eh? God's grace gave Paul backbone. If you see this, and this is why he says there in the verse, we did not give in to them for a moment. God's grace gave him backbone. And that's what God's grace does for us as well. Gives us backbone. He was in a battle over the gospel. The major fact is he would not give in. Not even for a moment. Paul would not compromise. Not even for a moment. It was not a personal issue with him. Not a matter of personal honor with him. For Paul, what Christ had done for him and in him was the most important thing in the world. You should say amen to that. Eh? He knew no matter who you are, no matter, matter what you have done, no matter what has been done to you, no matter how many times or how badly you have fallen short, you and I are the recipients of God's overflowing abundant grace this morning. While the Bible is honest about our sinfulness, there is simply no denying our sinfulness. Isn't it true? There's simply no denying it. Well, and while the Bible is honest about that, it is His amazing grace that is the prevailing theme 
in the Bible. So people are not saying, some are agreeing, I wish everybody could. He does not respond to flaw and failure as we do, with harsh judgment and condemnation. Isn't it true? He responds with amazing grace. That's the Lord, eh? Grace that is overflowing. Grace that is poured over all the time. You see, when I think of the Lord, the Lord is not skimpy. No matter how much grace we may need to cover the full extent of our lives, He pours out more. Isn't that amazing? He pours out more. He is extravagant. I would say even wasteful. I think the Lord is wasteful. He pours more than He should over our lives. We don't deserve it. But He's prepared to be wasteful for us. He's prepared to pour more and more and more grace over us and over our lives all the time. Wave upon wave upon wave of grace flowing over you and I daily. Showers upon showers upon showers of grace raining down on you and I every day. Layers upon layers upon layers of grace poured over us. Yeah. By God's grace, brothers and sisters, we are more than the worst that we have done. That's the amazing thing about His grace. Grace meets us where we are but does not leave us where it found us. Isn't that amazing? God's grace is always sufficient for us, and we ought to appreciate His grace. I told you, when we started the series, you're going to be tired of hearing of grace. Remember, you said you're going to... And my, by, my, I hope that by the end of this series in Galatians, that we, all of us will be able to understand what grace really is. But then the second point, and this is the final point we're making, although it is long, you've got to just bear with me here. Yeah? Not too long, but here. Yeah. By God's grace, your worth is not determined by what others say or think of you. Verses 6 to 10. By God's grace, your worth is not determined by... Now we have a lot of personalities there. Names mentioned. Now this is a very difficult portion. I don't know if you realize it. You probably wondered how are we going to approach this text here this morning. It's not a, one of the easiest ten verses to exegete here this morning. But, we, you know, uh, um, the amazing thing is the Holy Spirit is always there to guide us. And the Holy Spirit is always there to show, give us uh, whatever we need to know. And when we look at this here, there's quite a few names mentioned. We're going to look at that briefly here this morning. But I want to say this here. People will say hurtful things, whether they mean it or not. They will say hurtful things to you. Let it go. Did you hear that? Let it go. If you are going to nurse it, if you are going to hold on to it, you are not going to grow. It's not going to help you at all. It's not going to help you. But here in this section here, 
God is no respecter of persons. The first person mentioned was Barnabas. We know who Barnabas was. Barnabas was an encourager. All would not have been successful without the, the encouragement of Barnabas. Barnabas was there all the time. His name was not mentioned many times. Paul was always mentioned. But Barnabas, the encourager, was always there. He was always there to support Paul. I know there was a time that when Barnabas, because of his spirit of encouragement, that encouragement being so deeply rooted within him and ingrained within him, they parted company because Paul, Paul didn't have any hope for John Mark. Can you remember? But then he had hope for John Mark. And he encouraged him. And we know that is why we have the, the, the Gospel of Mark written today. Because of Barnabas. We need more encouragers today. When last have you encouraged someone? When last have you walked with someone? Just to build them up. Just to be there for them. Barnabas was that kind of a person. And although in the background, the Lord used him powerfully. I want to say this. One day in heaven, all those people who have done things in the background will be honored. I won't say more than us, but they will be honored in an amazing way. There are so many people doing work in the background, just encouraging you, just being there for you, just walking with you, who has been such a pillar. Isn't it true? And has helped you to face challenges you, you probably as a person thought you would never be able to make it and face it. That's what, that's what, that was the one person there. That's why I say again, by God's grace, your worth is not determined by what others say or think about you. Titus was one of Paul's co-workers. He was just a co-worker. Even if you are only a co-worker, you have value this morning. Did you hear that? Barnabas had value as an encourager. Paul had value, yes, we know. But Titus here, a co-worker, and he had value. And we, the Lord is always looking out for those people who are co-workers. Serving him. And giving their best to him. Everything was riding on the answer to the question, though, here. Is Jesus enough? Let's get into this text here. Is Jesus enough, or does Titus need something else in order to be accepted? Was circumcision necessary in order for him to be accepted? Jesus is, and when we think of this, Jesus is more than enough. That is what Paul wanted to say. He is more than enough. Jesus is our supreme treasure. He is more than enough. Jesus satisfies our deepest needs and longings. He's more than enough. Jesus is more than all we could ever need. If all else is lost, but we still have Jesus, we have everything. Did you hear that? He keeps pouring into us. So that we have more than we could ever need. 
He gives us so much that life on earth itself would not provide us with enough time to soak it all in. Do you realize that? He gives us so much that even the life that we're going to live here on earth, it's not long enough to enjoy all the blessings and all the benefits that he has waiting for us. We need to live lives that demand an explanation that he is more than enough. Does your life demand an explanation? That he is more than enough? When last have people come to you and ask you, what is it about you? What is it about you that is so different? When last? Could you explain it to them and share the gospel with them? I want to say this. He is more than enough. He is everything that you need. He lavishly dispenses his grace and love upon his children. We should never underestimate what he can do through us and with us. Right there in Jerusalem, you have Peter called a rock by Jesus. Then you have James and John, key leaders in the church there. Here is the question, is there any rank before God? Well, Paul answers that there, eh? from verses 6, especially in verses 6. There is no doubt that Peter, James, and John had status. Paul is reminding us again that when we stand before the Lord, nothing apart from what Jesus has already done and who Jesus is to us matters. Did you hear that? He's reminding us about that. See, our rank, our status, our reputation, and our, our accomplishments cannot do anything for us. But praise God, we are all faced with a series of great opportunities, brilliantly disguised often as impossible. Isn't that true? It's impossible, the situation. But it's disguised because the Lord knows where he's going to take us and what he's going to do about it. That impossibility, I want to say this to you this morning, in your life, inside its tough set of circumstances is an incredible opportunity for God to prove to you, for the Lord to prove to you who you really are and who he really is. It's an incredible opportunity waiting to come to life because of what the Lord is going to do for you and I. Do you feel overlooked this morning? Unappreciated? Forgotten? Sometimes the world does not know where you or where you are or who you are. Isn't it true? Sometimes we wish they knew where you are. Eh? He always does. He knows where you are. He knows who you are. The Lord is waiting for you this morning. You know, sometimes we, when you, you talk to people, people say, I'm just waiting on the Lord. Things are 
not right. Things are, uh, I, things are happening in their lives. I wouldn't say it's not right. Things are happening in their lives. But they say, I'm just waiting on the Lord. But I want to ask you, leave you with this question. Has it ever dawned on you? Maybe the Lord is waiting on you. Has it ever dawned on you? Maybe the Lord is waiting on you. Sometimes we wait, and we wait, and we wait. I want to see. It's not about figuring things out when it comes to the Lord. The Lord's been waiting for you. What is it that you've got to do today? What is it that you've got to continue to do for the rest of your life? The Lord's been waiting on you this morning. He knows where you are. You see, we live in an impersonal world. When you think about it, you can shop, buy groceries, do your banking. We heard that the last time I saw, go to school and do your work all in front of a computer screen without ever having to speak to another person. Living in such an isolated environment makes it difficult to imagine that there is a God who truly knows us, who truly loves us, who truly knows who we are, where we are, who knows us on an intimate level. I want to say this to you here this morning. He really knows Everything that there is to know about you. Did you hear that? He knew each and every one of us before we ever took our first breath on our own. Even before conception, as, as Jeremiah says. He knows what you are going through in life. That means you are not forgotten by him. He has not forgotten you. He knows the very trial that you are dealing with. He knows the struggles that you are facing in life. He knows the temptations that you come up against. He knows your family situation and he has promised that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Isn't that true? He knows us so well that he knows what is best for us. Even better than we do. He sees the life that you have come out of. But he also sees the life that you are going into. Isn't that amazing? He is by your side in every step that you take this morning, child of God. I think of when, when Samuel went to anoint the next king of Israel. He went to Jesse's house. They did not know where David was, for sure. But God knew where he was. Noah was an average guy. Just an average guy. But he became a shipbuilder. In the eyes of man, he was just an average guy. But he became a shipbuilder. God knew about it before it was realized. Before Jeremiah was born, the Lord knew about him. That he was going to be a prophet to the nations. Conclusion here this morning, most of us have heard about this lady, Darlene Zetch. She was a 19-year-old girl working in the mail room of the church for three years. Can you remember Darlene Zetch? Huh? Some of you would. 
the church began to suffer. The church began to suffer because the man who was in charge of, of so many ministries left the church. And everyone was sure the church would sink without him. They asked her to take over the music, encouraged her to write her own music. The first song she ever wrote was a little song she called, she thought. And it is called, and all of us know that song, Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Shout to the Lord. See, that's the first song she wrote. And she has gone on to write, all things are possible, worthy is the Lamb, and hundreds of other huge worship songs. She has been the worship leader of Hillsong Church in Australia with over 18,000 people for many years. I don't think she's there anymore, or she's involved, she's moved on because there are so many others that she has equipped. But she was in the mail room. Felt like God had forgotten about her. Nothing. She was not important. But right there in the mail room, the Lord saw her. I want to say this, no matter where you are this morning, no matter how broken your life is this morning, He has not forgotten you. He knows where you are. You are worth, you, worth more than you could ever imagine. Your worth is not determined by what others say or think about you. His grace begins where your strength ends. Allow His grace today to be poured out over your life. Allow His grace today to carry you. Allow His grace today to significantly impact your life. When your strength is gone, that's when His grace begins to equip you, to empower you, to enable you to go beyond where you've ever been before. Amen. Father, we want to thank you for your word this morning. We pray that even as we conclude our service, that you will, Lord, minister to us and that we will hold on to your grace that is always sufficient for us. In Jesus' name, amen.